0: Hello everybody, welcome back to a brand new episode of Decoding the Unknown. As always, I'm your decoder, Simon, I'm here, one of my writers, in this case, Ilza. Thank you, Ilza, it's written me a script. Royston Crave, Templar Chapel, or Home to a Hermit. Well, normally I'm like, nah, Templars aren't real, but the Templars were real, right? That was a real organisation. Pretty sure I've covered them in videos before, so, uh, look. Maybe it was a chapel for them and whatever weird variety of religion which I'm assuming Christianity they believed in. Anyway, let's just jump into it, shall we? Did I say I've not read this before? That's the format of the show. We're going to read it. We're going to explore. We're going to decode together. Settle in. On a dark and cold night in a very distant past, Norman man is hunched over a very important carving in the wall of a cave. It's late. And he's tired but the blank canvas of the cave wall is calling to him and with nothing but candlelight to work with and filled with divine inspiration he slaves away carefully eager to finish the unmistakable figure of a man hanging on a cross we don't know who the artist is or why he's carving the scene of the crucifixion into the wall of a man-made cave we don't even know if anyone other than the artist saw it before the cave was filled up closed off forgotten for a mere couple of decades or maybe even hundreds of years there's no way to tell the cave is lost the artwork unseen and appreciated the mysterious cave and its secrets lie buried beneath the bustling market of royston but the market is successful drawing more and more people and the town is growing fast then one morning a couple of workmen arrive with pickaxes and good intentions the market is expanding they need to build a bench for traders from here there and elsewhere they start digging a foundation This bench was being built to last. They never finished it, though. Instead of a bench, the townspeople of Royston got something completely unexpected. Underneath their feet was a man-made cave filled with carvings. It was a mystery then, and it's a mystery now. This sounds like the sort of thing that, as a construction person, would really annoy me. <laughs> it's like you're digging into your garden. It's oh no, I found a cave. There's going to be archaeologists interested in this. Oh, and I found some bones and a crown. Oh god, they're going to be digging around in my bloody garden for a year or two years. All I wanted to do was build a sw- If I saw that, Allegedly, I'd just be like, what bones? (laughs) What crown? Never saw anything. What cave system? (laughs) It's definitely not now where I keep my wine. Not at all. Definitely not. In the 250 years since discovering Royston Cave, we haven't made much progress in learning anything about this peculiar find. So what's the story behind Royston Cave? Well, let's find out, shall we, Ilzda? Discovery of the Cave like so many of the best mysteries out there royston cave was discovered by accident in august of 1742 workmen came across a millstone around 30 centimeters or 11 inches deep while digging a foundation for that bench <laughs> the in the unknown episode where a bench plays a crucial who builds foundations for a bench isn't a bit like oh i guess like benches can be like concreted down to stuff but this was the 1740s don't they just slap together some pieces of wood and call it a day the millstone had a hole in the center so the curious workman lowered a plumb line a device used back then to determine the depth of water the line descended down around 5 meters or 16 feet by now thoroughly curious the workman lifted the millstone to find a vertical well-like shaft around 60 centimeters or 23 inches in diameter. That's pretty tight. You're not going to be fitting down there. 60 centimeters. Could I fit down 60 centimeters? What is that, like this? What is it? It's about two feet, isn't it, right? Two ruler's lengths. Yeah, you could probably fit down there. It'd be uncomfortably close, though, going down five meters in that. I'd really worry about being stuck. Oh my god, I heard this horrible story. I think it was in Australia. There was some dude who, for some reason, he, like, dropped his keys in, like, a a drain or something. And then he was like, oh yeah, I could fish those out. I'll fish out those keys. And he reaches into the drain, and it's like somehow he falls into it with his head down in the drain, reaching for the keys, and he gets stuck there. And then it rains, and he drowns in this thing. And I'm like, holy shit! Can you imagine a worse way to go? I'm like reading this just after that Titan submersible implodes, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's got to be a pretty bad way to go. Like you're just down there, and it's like. Grrr. And you're like, oh God! And then it crushes you to death, like some buy for dolphin accident shit. Which, uh, if you don't know that, don't don't Google byford dolphin accidents. It's a nightmare. Uh, but then i made a video about this and someone commented being like oh yeah the force that was exerted on that submarine there's no chance they even knew what was happening it was just there one moment and gone the next because the amount of pressure was just like insane it would just crush it uh, look it's a youtube comment take it take it take what you will from it but they said that that sub would be crushed at such a speed that the eyes wouldn't be even be able to send a signal to the brain like, that's how fast it would have happened. So you're there one moment and gone the next. Which, honestly, that's the way to do it. Rather than just be like, you know, you feel your body getting crushed in a submarine. What are we talking about? Benches. Yes. Oh, holes in the ground. Right. Yes, sorry. Carrying on. Toe holes had been cut into the chalk on the opposite sides of the shaft, forming a ladder. A small boy was the first to be sent down the hole, though how voluntary this was was up for debate. There's no shot. I'd be like, NO! No, they'd be getting, GET DOWN THERE LADS! I'd be like, OKAY, I'M SORRY, OKAY, 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 CAN I HAVE A ROPE AROUND? GET DOWN THERE! Health and safety regulations just weren't the same back then. When the boy returned alive and unharmed, a thin man with a candle was sent down. Not sure if he volunteered either. The first two brave explorers discovered that the shaft was around 1.2 meters in length and opens up into what appeared to be an underground cave filled with loose earth and other debris. The first thought on everyone's mind was buried treasure, so they enthusiastically set about the task of enlarging the shaft and emptying the debris and soil from the cave. They hauled around 200 bucket loads of earth to the surface. We don't know the exact size of the buckets but that's a lot of earth well they're not going to be bigger than 60 centimeters wide are they which is it's a lot of earth but it's always surprising like how many buckets it takes and then you've got a surprisingly small amount small pile afterwards of course, rumours of possible treasure spread like an August wildfire in South Africa, and the workmen doing the digging had to work at night because of the daily growing crowd of spectators. The debris hauled out from the cave included a skull, decayed bones, a fragment of a small brown drinking vessel marked with yellow spots, and an unmarked piece of brass. All of this, except the skull, was considered useless trash and promptly chucked away, sending any chance of finding out who made the cave or why to the nearest trash heap never to be seen again. I oh yes, in the past they were like, Ah, let's find some treasure they're like what about the historical relevant historical what what about the treasure shut up you nerd <laughs> the find was of great interest antiquarians of the time <laughs> those nerds let's find the treasure and the society of antiquities sent reverend george north to inspect north was a bit early to the party as the caves were still in the process of being cleared when he arrived so his report is incomplete however he did note that the ceiling dome had either been repaired or strengthened at some point before the rediscovery and was about 30 centimeters that's 23 inches from the street above he also noted the top of an arch opposite the shaft the workman discovered and concluded that it was probably an air vent or chimney to remove the smoke. However, he did note that the ceiling dome had either been repaired or strengthened at some point before the rediscovery. It was about 30 centimetres, that's 23 inches, from the street above. No, it's not. 30 centimetres is not 20. That's not right. Is that right? No! 30 centimetres is the leg that We've already talked about rulers once. 30 centimetres is about a foot. Right, which is 12 inches? Look, I remember, look, I grew up in the UK, so we had metric and imperial. A ruler's 30 centimetres, 12 inches long. So I don't know where else I also got 23 inches from. <laughs> it's not correct. <laughs> he also noted the top of an arch opposite the shaft the workman discovered and concluded that it was probably an air vent or chimney to remove the smoke from candles and lamps, since it was simply too narrow to be anything else. It was for tiny children to go down. Today, this is known as the Eastern Shaft. Reverend North came to the conclusion that the cave had been built probably around the time that the town itself was founded. The next antiquarian's visit was Dr. William Stuckley, who arrived in Royston on October the 19th, in 1742. He was one of England's first field archaeologists, but this was way before archaeology was considered an actual field of science. By this time, the cave had been cleared and the carvings in the lower part of the cave revealed. <laughs> Stuckley's like, yo. What's, so where's all the stuff you dug out from here, like the bones and the brass and shit? And they're like, oh, we chucked it away, didn't we, mate? <laughs> Doctor Stuckley's, like, oh for fuck's sake! No one takes me seriously, and they're like, yeah, mate, you're an archaeologist, it's basically a wizard, isn't it? Oh look, he can tell what's going on in the past. Oh look that's the ever Doctor Stuckley. Nerd. <laughs> Starkley believed that the cave had most certainly been built as a place of worship in the earliest times of Christianity. He made sketches of the cave and carvings, which he published in a 1743 book. Paleographica Britannica, or Discourses on Antiquities in Britain, number one. Being more of a scientist, his drawings of the carvings, while not exact, are still fairly good compared with what we have today. He also discovered a seal made of pipe clay and marked with a fleur de lise and described the skull as female. In 1790, during a particularly harsh winter when work was scarce, a local building contractor Thomas Watson employed his men to cut a twenty-two-meter or seventy-foot passage into the cave, through the only place on the wall where there were no carvings to make it easier for visitors. Up to that point, the only way to enter had been at the opening via the top using either a rope ladder or by being lowered into the cave on a rope finally the original entrance found in 1742 was sealed description of royston cave circular and bell-shaped Royston cave is relatively small only about eight meters high and five meters in diameter that's 26 feet by 16 feet a one study suggests that the cave might have been divided into two levels with a wooden frame that supported a raised platform there's also some speculation that there might have been walkways from the cave leading to a church but nothing like that has ever been found it's probably thrown away Stuckley's oh for God's sake there was all that debris it could have been woods I'd have known about the second platform And people are like, fantastic, Stuckley. Fascinating. There's a second platform. No one cares, Stuckley. It's the past Stuckley. At the base of the cave is a raised octagonal step. Those leaning toward the idea that the space had some religious significance believe the step was possibly used for kneeling and prayer. Several large niches have also been carved into chalk and probably held some kind of light source, like lamps or candles, and perhaps even relics. Just a weird memory. Remember, the, you guys been to church where you have those kneeling cushions? Like, when I went to school, we had a chapel. i told this story before I went to, like, religious school. And in the chapel, there were these the kneeling cushions. And they were all, like, decorative and stuff. Like, very nice-looking. And I don't think we ever used those because they'd be like, the the reverend or whatever would be like, and let us pray. And everyone would just like lean over. No one would ever get down on their knees. If you, if you do get down on your knees, you're almost certainly doing it as a joke. And then the teachers could not be like, don't get down on your knees. Because then it'd be like, I'm just praying extra hard. I just want to pray on my knees to Jesus. And yeah, it's not funny. Let's just move on. Thanks for that pointless aside, Simon. Feel free to share more of your random memories with us. <laughs> when the cave was initially discovered, the dome ceiling was partially tiled. At some point, the original dome ceiling was destroyed and replaced by brick. Sadly, whatever was left of the tiles was also chucked into the same landfill as the bones and the cup fragments. <laughs> you just stuck please. Inner person is just screaming. What makes Royston Cave so extraordinary is not the fact that it's a man made cave beneath a road, it's the carvings. The walls of the cave are covered with unusual carvings. The carvings were most likely coloured at some point, as one visitor in the mid 19th century reported St. Catherine wearing a yellow dress and some red on the carvings depicting the Holy Family. However, due to age and damage over the years, only small traces of colour remain. The carvings have been described as detailed, but I think that's being a bit generous. It's unlikely that they were made by just one person. Person, and whoever made them probably didn't have any training in carving or sculpting, so we're not looking for an artisan or an artist. That doesn't make them any less interesting or valuable, though. The biggest mystery, however, is what these carvings are meant to represent. And there are quite a few interpretations. Many of the carvings appear to be Christian in nature. There are some crucifixion scenes and enough crosses to make a vampire very nervous. One panel seems to focus on the death and the resurrection of Jesus. There appears to be a resurrection scene with Mary Magdalene or an angel sitting on a stone rolled away from the entrance of what is presumably the grave of jesus i like how i was just like yeah yeah they're pretty crudely drawn but that doesn't make them any less valuable <laughs> it kind of does doesn't it because if they were better drawn we'd be like wow, well, yeah that's mary mags it's not an angel it's not an angel that's not an attempt at a wing <laughs> that's just a poofy jacket i don't know look obviously if they were super detailed and had lots of writing on them then we'd be like oh look we know exactly what they are above that is the hand of god releasing a dove which many interpret as the holy spirit Beneath the dove was the body of a shrouded figure. However, only the head remains today. Some theorize that this might represent the body of Jesus within the Holy Sepulchre prior to resurrection. (laughs) Just thinking, like, these... Elsa's like, yeah, they're not very detailed. I'm like, holy shit, the idea that I could draw a dove being released by a hand is absurd. Like, my daughter was like the other day, Dad, I want to... I want to color in a unicorn. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) let me draw a picture of a unicorn. And it looked... it looked so bad. (laughs) It's so bad. It's like i can't believe how badly i draw it looks like some sort of horse that like was just born prematurely and didn't have all its parts completed yet and it for some reason has a massive back leg and no tail i don't know what's wrong with me i just can't draw at all there are also a whole lot of saints including saint catherine holding a representation of a spiked wheel associated with a martyrdom saint Lawrence, who is also referred to as the grail saint and martyred on a gridiron holding said gridiron, and St. Christopher, considered to be the patron saint of travelers, with the child Jesus on his shoulder and a staff in his hand. Finally, we have a figure with a sword. This could either be St. Michael or St. George, the patron saint of England. The sword of the saint, that could either be Michael or George, points to 13 figures, which might represent apostles. 12 of the figures are about the same size, while a thirteenth is smaller and appears at the back, toward the right-hand end of the carving. This is apparently Judas. Three figures that appear to be two adults and a child are also considered to be the holy family. Joseph, Mary. Mary and the child Jesus this doesn't sound very like coherent does it it just sounds like some dude went into a cave and was like let's carve some pictures and shit it's like well, I forgot for reference I love Jesus yeah, he's just like he's just having a good time carving some bad pictures why is this so interesting why are we so into this cave it just sounds like I mean I, like, I don't want to be like dismissive of history and stuff but this is just a cave someone found underneath a road where some dude was just like scribbling some pictures into the walls it would kind of be like someone discovering like an old road tunnel in a thousand years and being like oh i wonder what that means and uh, we just look at it today and be like it's graffiti it's a tag It's just some idiot who sprayed it in spray paint. Can we please forget about it? There are more figures that can't be identified. Some are marked with crosses, which could suggest saints, while some are marked with hearts, which could indicate martyrs. Two small figures below St. Catherine could possibly be Richard I or Richard the Lionheart and his wife, Queen Berengaria. The Queen's crown is floating above her head, unlike the other figures whose crowns are on their heads. That sounds like it doesn't he, He's ah oh shit. I drew the I, I drew the face too low. Which might refer to the fact that she was never actually crowned as Queen. Beneath St. Lawrence's, a figure with raised arms that has been interpreted either as King William of Scotland or King David of the Bible. A similar figure can be found on a 13th century illuminated manuscript of part Psalm 69, currently held in Trinity College Library, Cambridge, showing King David rising from the water. Apparently, Psalm 69 is a plea for help and a lament about being misunderstood. I'm sure Royston Cave can relate. Some of the carvings also depict what might be the cavalry scenes with Mary and John to the left of king david or king william depending on your school of thought is a carving some interpret to be a memorial to jacques de molay the last grand master of the knights templar oh yeah it's about knights templar okay however there are some alternative interpretations one author nigel pennick argues i heard a stat about the name nigel the other day apparently no one's called nigel anymore it's quite a popular name like there's lots of old people called Nigel or like maybe middle-aged people but apparently there there was like zero people who called their child Nigel last year in the UK and I'm like what's wrong with Nigel it's not like oh yeah 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 there's way less Adolfs in 1945 like there's no like you know Hitler-esque character called Nigel is there did I miss out on a dictator called Nigel (laughs) the fuck's Nigel? or like you know um who's that who's that pedo guy um super famous british dude looks super sketchy but everyone Jimmy Savile like oh Jimmy's a super popular name though cuz it's just James but you know it's like yeah your nickname's Jimmy <laughs> after my favorite tv guy Uh, So this Nigel dude argues that while most scholars interpret these carvings as Christian iconography, we tend to forget the origin of many Christian saints and symbols. One example would be the depiction of St. Catherine. According to legend, Catherine was tied to a wheel and tortured. Oh, is that where we get Catherine wheel from? That thing that spins round and like with fireworks in it and shit? Uh, And in Christian tradition, saints are depicted with the instrument of their martyrdom, which in her case happened to be a wheel. However, God, that's morbid. Catherine wheels are super fun. They're just like these bright things that spin round and it's like, Woo, yeah! And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it represents the torture of this this woman. They like broke her on the wheel until she died. (laughs) However, the figure of a woman holding a wheel can also be found on pre-Christian vases depicting Persephone, the Queen of the Underworld. I couldn't find examples of this in most images of Persephone that I could find. She's holding a sheaf of grain or a torch, but I don't have access to a whole lot of pre-Christian vases. Penic also mentions Fortuna, a Roman goddess who is often depicted holding a wheel symbolizing the Wheel of Fortune. What the fuck is the Wheel of Fortune? Apparently there are a few sun wheels in the cave which could be wheels of fortune, and this takes us back to the Roman occupation. Another saint depicted in the car that has pagan roots is Saint Christopher, the patron saint of travelers, the Greek goddess Herpes. Oh <laughs> no. Hermes, my bad. And the Roman god Mercury. They were the protector of travelers, among other things. Greek and Roman gods have a diverse portfolio. Yeah, yeah, It's always like, oh, what's this the the, the god of? Oh well yeah, it's the god of um pies and also prostitute. That's what it'll be. Yeah, well, it's just so random, it's randomly assigned. Yet another interesting interpretation suggests that, in one image, a long sword appears to have a three-lobed pommel, which would possibly make it a Viking sword. The carvings next to the sword could be the lineage of the Normans who occupied Britain and France. What some interpret as the Holy Family could be a reference to William Longsword, the second ruler of Normandy who reigned from 927 to 942, his Viking father Rollo, and his French mother Popper of Bayeux. They all all from one carving of a very long sword. Oh my god. Well uh, like I'm cla- okay, so there's lots of carvings in this in this cave. Let's get to I wanna know about the the the, the, the what, what's mysterious about this cave. It just sounds like some dude went in there and just carved some shit up. Who built Royston Cave and why? Here we go. <laughs> know some dude who just I just want somewhere to go and like draw pictures of Jesus. I don't have any friends. Who exactly built this cave and for what purpose is very much a mystery. Without any written records about the cave that before it was founded in 1742, it's unlikely that we'll ever know what the carvings mean or who carved them in the first place. Of course, uncertainty tends to give rise to conspiracy theories. Here we go. So there's a whole lot of theories ranging from slightly possible to downright ridiculous. I've decided not to bother with the Freemasons did it or go into the significance of the cave being important ley lines. Rather, we'll be considering a few theories I find interesting and at least somewhat plausible. So let's kick it off with everyone's favorite, ancient aliens. No, I'm just joking, it's the Knights Templar, but I bet there's someone out there who's been like, it's made by aliens. History Channel's probably done a whole money-spinning series on it. The Templars built it. The Knights Templar was a religious order, initially founded in 1118, with the aim to protect pilgrims on the road to Jerusalem and the Holy Land. The order was persecuted in France by King Philip IV around 1307 and finally disbanded by Pope Clement, the, by Pope Clement in 1312. Wasn't it because they wanted all their money? They were like, let's get rid of them and take all their money and shit. Because they were like rich and stuff, and the, the, the king just was like, yeah, I just want that. I'm just going to take it. And I'm the king so I can do what I want. It's the benefit of being king is that he's got that primus juris noctile whatever it is he's gonna like i'm gonna sleep with all the peasants and also take the templars money because i'm king bitch. as we know the templars were a wealthy order and they had strongholds all over europe and england one of these strongholds was in nearby baldock a a town apparently founded by the templars in the 1140s around eight miles from royston many proponents of the templar theory believe that the carvings alone prove a templar connection one carving looks like it could be two riders on a single horse, which was the symbol of the Templars. Despite the order being wealthy, individual knights were not so, so they had to fit two knights per horse. Really? <laughs> like, no, Rufus, you have to ride bitch today! However, this has been greatly disputed. <laughs> Just imagine these Templars. Ah, that was like we have to share horses. It's lame. However, this has been greatly disputed. All that you can really see are two flig- figures close together on a damaged section of the wall. The carving was also altered sometime during the mid-20th century attempts at renovation, so really it could be anything. There's also a carving that Templar Grubies firmly insist is none other than the Grand Master of the Order, Jacques de Molay, who met his maker via burning at the stake. Three small figures huddling together in the main other ma- three main engineers of the downfall of the Templars – King Philip IV of France, Pope Clement V, and the Grand Master of the Hospitallers. I've got no idea how the hospitals fit into the picture, but I'm no Templar expert. They probably don't. It's probably just like, oh yeah, those three of them, let's just, uh, this guy was also bad. <laughs> Conspiracy theories, where you take facts and you twist them and ram them so hard that eventually they fit your theory. Even though they don't fit your theory and it's stupid. A smaller figure holding a skull in his right hand and, his ca- and a candle in the left represents a candidate for the initiation into the order. A number presumed to be a date, 1347, has also been uncovered. Most scholars agree that the carving seems genuine, which suggests that someone was in the cave in 1347. According to the Templar theory, the Templars used the cave to meet in secret after their order was disbanded back in 1312 and only stopped using the cave in 1347, after which they filled it up and moved to Scotland or Nova Scotia or wherever homeless Templars go. A firm believer. In the theory that the Templars were connected to the cave was local archaeologist Sylvia Beeman, who spent decades researching the cave. Beeman believed that the Templars stationed in Bardock, close to Royston weren't fighting knights; they were administrators artisans and farmers looking after the local Templar estates. Around the 12th century, a market sprang up in Royston. The Templars sold their produce at the Royston Cheese and Butter Market between 1149 and 1254. In 1199, the Templars had a dispute with the local priory, as they claimed to be exempt from tolls in English markets, so we have to proof that the Templars most certainly were in Royston. But believed that the cave was a pre-existing structure that the knights just repurposed and had a dual function. A wooden platform divided the space, and the upper part was used as storage for their butter and cheese, and may also have been where they been where they stayed over for the night before returning home. <laughs> you know, it's smelly. So I did that. There's no refrigeration, I have to sleep in the room with the cheese and the butter. You're like, mm. <laughs> Your entire body smells of feet. They weren't welcome in the priory anymore but a brother needs to sleep the lower part of the cave was possibly used as a chapel for their daily prayers and maybe even for initiations she argued that the carvings in the cave are similar to the ones found at other templar sites across europe such as the tour de cordray in the chateau de chinon in france where a number of templars including the last grand master were imprisoned before they met their maker in 1308. The circular design she interprets as a reference to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem. The small step that might have been used for prayer or contemplating the carvings was also a common feature in round churches and can be seen in the Temple Church in London and the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in Cambridge. Sounds like not a bad theory, to be honest. I'm a bit skeptical about the Templar Cave Theory. Okay. But for the most part beeman's work is fairly solid however when there are templars involved the theories will become more elaborate one theory states that the cave had an entirely ritualistic purpose it was a meeting place where the templars assembled to pledge their loyalty to one another and be initiated into a secret underground order because the templars are apparently not mysterious enough as is this sounds like okay so you got one researcher who's like yeah it could be this look at this, this circular thing the things are quite similar and you're like yeah yeah okay And then someone else comes along and be like, yeah, yeah. And also, what if it was like for secret rituals and stuff? And the person at Cambridge probably like, well, no, no, that's not what the air is. Yes, but I'm going to write about it on the Internet. And then the next thing you know, people are like, it's a mysterious cave for Templars doing rituals. Maybe there's child sacrifice. And then, you know, you're down the rabbit hole, aren't you? A reception was possibly held on the upper level where the initiates were prepared before being allowed to access the lower chamber by ladder similar to how candidates are prepared for degrees in masonry on the floor of the cave after descending a very short ladder the initiate probably underwent some kind of ceremony which required him to pass through the structural grave of the cave to signify death and spiritual rebirth of course some of us are a little skeptical about this templar theory i'm skeptical about it because it's like yeah now you're just guessing you're not looking at stuff like the academic person and being like, this looks like this, this looks like this, this could be this. You're like, K- just you're just telling a story, aren't you? A stylistic examination of the caves was done in 2012 by the Royal Armouries Museum in Leeds. According to this analysis, the male costumes and headdresses, as well as the hairstyles of the women, suggest the carvings were made between 1360 and 1390, by which time the Templars had already been disbanded. Other reports have also pointed out that plate armor worn by some of the figures wasn't commonly available in the 11th and 12th centuries, but rather shows up in the 15th and 16th centuries. The report also concluded that it was highly unlikely that any of the carvings were made before. 1350 a century after the templars were visiting the market in royston and a few decades after they were persecuted and disbanded it's also worth noting that while the carvings appear to be religious in nature they don't depict some of the symbolism mostly associated with the templars such as two knights on a horse the carvings so funny The the carvings found at Templar sites across Europe, including hearts, Stars of Davids, and geometrical patterns, were images that were common at the time and thus not unique to the Templar order, meaning the carvings in the cave are not uniquely Templar either. The floor plan of the cave is round, and the Templars like to build round churches. However, much like the carvings, they weren't the only ones doing it. Oh, well, this is kind of like, when I first read about the Cambridge academic person, I was kind of like, ooh, that's pretty compelling. They were the same as these other Templar churches. And then it's like, yeah, but lots of other people doing it as well. And it's like, well, okay, so what makes it more likely to be the Templars than one of the other random people? Is there something in support of that? Because I don't remember anything. Finally, the Templars weren't a subterranean order. Sure, tunnels have been found under Templar strongholds, but once again, this isn't a practice limited to the Templars. In a time when your stronghold could end up besieged for months, it was useful to have a backdoor. The Templar theory is still the most popular theory, and unfortunately, many people seem to accept this as fact. There's no way to prove whether the Templars used the cave or not, but if we immediately accept this as the only truth, we lose out on so many other interesting possibilities. What are those other possibilities? Well, I'm so glad you are Simon. It's just a dude. It's just some dude. He's like, I'm gonna go dig a- it. Uh, the helmet... Uh, Her- helmet. Hermit was in the title of this piece. This is just a dude who dug out a cave and then carved some shit into some chalk. I was being like, yeah, I love Jesus. I so just carve a picture of Jesus. And there's Jesus as a baby. There's Jesus as an adult. It's Jesus on the cross. This image is Jesus having dinner. <laughs> you know? It's just, that's it. It's just a dude home to a hermit here we go the templar theory might be the most popular but to me the hermit theory seems more plausible in the sack yeah it's like of course it's more popular because it's more interesting that's like some tv shows are more popular than others doesn't mean that you know one's more truthful than the other in the saxon period it was common it was a common practice for a hermitage to be by the side of a road a hermitage is basically a place where a person would live in religious seclusion so it's the dude drawing jesus some research suggests that travelers would pay the hermit to pray for a safe journey and since royston is at the crossroads are two important roads it would be a good place for a hermit to spend his days hermiting in 1742 william stuckley observed that crosses and hermitages were common in a time when people were more religious than literate the cross would remind the faithful to pray while the hermit could tell them which road would take them to their final destination the image of saint christopher hermes or mercury the protector of travelers depending on your religion certainly supports this theory some of the less Notable and unidentified figures among the carvings in Royston could represent some of the hermit's more generous benefactors. According to a medieval rule for hermits, the crucifixion scene was considered the only essential piece of furniture for a hermit, which would greatly simplify interior decorating. It could be one explanation for the crucifixion scene and crosses carved into the walls. Wait, do they know what furniture is? (laughs) The only essential piece of furniture is a picture. A crucifixion would be like I wanted a bed. Where am I going to sit? Just on the floor? What the fuck? In 1184, an Augustinian priory was built in Royston, and quarrying for stone could be a plausible reason for the creation of Royston Cave once the priory had the cave it's within the realm of possibility that they decided to use the cave either as a storeroom or a hermitage depending on whether they had a hermit on staff as we've already stated the carvings were not made by a skilled artist and probably more by more uh more than one person which would explain the occasional repetition and why there doesn't seem to be any particular order to the carvings if the cave was indeed a hermitage the carvings were possibly inspired by visions the inhabitants had while spending their days in darkness I like isolation sometimes, but I'll take the cabin in the woods over a hole in the ground anytime soon. Yeah, and after a while, you're just going to go crazy. Like, if you're left alone without social contact, like, people survive this, right? Do they start imagining shit? Like, um, what's his face? Tom Hanks talking to Wilson in that movie, Castaway? That must happen, right? I'd be talking, I talk to myself just alone in my office. Just like wandering around, just, sometimes I'll catch myself and i am like, if someone was listening to you right now, they'd think you're fucking mad. Just like, just be wandering around talking to myself. If I was actually left alone, like abandoned somewhere in the forest. I think I'd be mental within a week. <laughs> in 2020, Keith Fitzpatrick Matthews, archaeologist and curator of the local museum, provided more proof to back up this theory. Wait, which theory? Uh the oh, the hermitage theory. Sorry. <laughs> Tiny brain fitzpatrick matthews dated the carvings in the cave to the late 15th century based on similarities between the carvings in the cave and carvings and paintings in churches of the period if you accept this date we have a possible candidate for who made the cave in the very or in the very least lived in the cave at some point and made the carvings on the wall in 1506 a Royston hermit died unfortunately we have no name and in 1540 a hermitage in the parish was sold or oh, we could have at least written like you know name of hermit was here or something in the wall couldn't have then we'd know just look you graffiti the shit out of the place anyway why not write your name on it the documentation doesn't specify what or where this hermitage was but Royston Cave is certainly a strong contender the hermitage was bought by Robert Chester the same person who built a prison house on eek Eich- street around 1550 fun side fact there the cave would have made an ideal prison cell no one is going to be escaping from a man-made cave with only one entrance if the carvings weren't the work of a board yet determined hermit they might have been done by bored prisoners fitzpatrick matthews also pointed out that the fragments of the brown cup that were thrown away when the cave was rediscovered doesn't match any known star from the medieval period however it does match the description of slipware earthenware used in the 16th and 17th century the pipe clay seal found later in the cave is also unlikely to have been made before the 16th century this suggests that the cave was probably filled during the late 16th or early 17th century possibly because the carvings were considered catholic and the country was now protestant while this theory seems more likely it's still speculation in 1536 to 1541 henry VIII closed monasteries priories and convents in england ireland and wales and the priory of royston was one of many to fall dissolution of the priory any records of a connection between the priory and the cave were destroyed or lost so thanks a lot henry you bell (laughs) yeah i mean i just think it's this is this sorry that's the end of this section and i just think it's that i think this is it it's just some random dude in a cave making drawings on the wall it's got nothing to do with the templars that's just people's overactive imaginations they read something that some academic said "Oh, that's an interesting similarity and went wild with it a noble chapel to understand where this theory comes from we first need to look at the history of royston specifically how it's got its name today royston cave is located beneath melbourne street but hundreds of years ago the town looked slightly different melbourne street was Icknield way an iron age track running all the way from east anglia to salisbury plain then around 2000 years ago the romans built ermine street that ran from york or in the north to london or londinium in the south these two prehistoric roads crossed at royston in roman times it was common practice to erect shrines at important crossroads later christians would replace these shrines with christian shrines or more commonly crosses in 1184 we find the first mention of a cross at the crossroads called the crew Roesi. So according to legend, the cross was placed by Lady Rosia or Rohesia. The base of the cross can still be seen in the town square today, leaving it in the middle of the crossroad would of course some minor traffic delays. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because now we have like fast vehicles and shit. Eventually it became Roysia's cross and then Roysia's town and finally Royston. It's theorised that this same lady, Roycer, used Royston Cave as a private chapel during her lifetime and finally as a crypt. Oh, it was her bones and they're just like, throw them in the bin! (laughs) Let's find that treasure! William Stuckley even thought that the scully found in the cave belonged to the mysterious Lady rosia So, who was this important lady of the cave? Well, as with most aspects of the mystery, we don't know, but there are a few contenders for the title. One possibility this is that she was the wife of William the Conqueror's steward, Eudo Dapifer. He was a very important man who owned land in Royston around 1066. Another possibility is Rahiz de Vere, the wife of Geoffrey de Mandeville uh the first earl of essex who passed away in 1170. a third lady this could be referring to is rahise de mowbray daughter of richard de clare a man with a long list of titles among them fifth earl of hertford she was also known as rosia and she died in 1299. so to recap one of these fair ladies or possibly none of them put up a cross at a crossroad used the cave as a chapel and finally a resting place and eventually gave the town its name if only someone had thought to make a note of the exact lineage of our lady of the cave i still think it's the hermit this is a fine theory i mean it's better than the like templars but it's a dude it's the dude it's the hermit in the cave just drawing some pictures of jesus it is okay we have one final theory I don't think he's going to beat out the dude in the cave. One of the many things the Roman soldiers brought with them to Britain was their worship of Mithras. The origins of this mystery culture are a bit complex, but suffice to say, he was one of many Roman gods. Honestly, I don't know much about the Romans in Britain other than they managed to lose a legion in Scotland, so I found this theory particularly interesting. I don't really... I mean, yeah, I know the Romans were in Britain and stuff. Mostly, you're reminded of it today because you're just driving along the site. That is an incredibly straight road. They just built these super... We call them Roman roads. They're just like mega straight. Like just go on into the distance. I remember the school the road between where I went to school and where I lived was just one like enormously straight road just like miles and miles of just straight road. (laughs) Uh, we do know that Roman legionaries were more than just fighting men. They were competent engineers and could construct roads and forts. The legionaries building the road from London to York certainly would have had the skill and time to excavate the cave from the soft chalk bedrock and used it as a temple to Mithras. It also wouldn't be the only Mithraeum, Mithraeum? in England. Another important Mithraeum was discovered in London in 1954. According to legends, Mithras killed a bull in a cave, so Mithraeum is usually an adapted or na- natural cave or cavern. or a building imitating a cave that was mostly built underneath existing buildings. Most temples to Mithras have a vent in the ceiling to create a source of light, much like the eastern shaft at Royston Cave. In 1852, Joseph Bedlam, an English historian and writer, noted that the niches carved into the walls, assumed to be made to hold lamps or candles, resembled similar features seen in Roman, Etruscan, and Phoenician tombs it was also common practice to decorate a Mithrium with carvings and painted scenes and we know that the carvings in Royston were colored at some point in time one thing that puzzled me about this cave is the fact that it is full of carvings except for one section where the new entrance was dug that seemed mightily convenient to me however a Mithrium would explain this the central mystery of Mithras celebration was a seven stage initiation these stages would sometimes be marked on the floor in mosaic or in relief on the walls an eight-sided cave would allow room for the seven stages and a blank side meant for the altarpiece the cave was probably looted at some point and loose relics and altarpieces were stolen or perhaps the roman soldiers took it with them when they left Britain actually this sounds super reasonable I don't think it's quite as likely as the uh the, the dude in the cave theory but this isn't bad the carvings in Royston Cave are mostly interpreted as Christian but the religion of Mithras and Christianity were contemporary so they shared symbolism also these carvings are not exactly that detailed so What some consider to be the Dove of Christ could be the Raven of Mithras, and like Jesus, Mithras had twelve companions. The gridiron held by St. Lawrence could indicate the stages of initiation. However, some of the most prominent symbolism of Mithras is missing. A depiction of Mithras slaying the bull is very important, but nowhere to be found in Royston Cave. The worship of Mithras was considered a rival to Christianity, and practitioners of this faith were persecuted until the practice was eliminated in rome so it's possible that the cave started out as a temple to mithras but once the romans left the original carvings were altered by christians leaving us with a puzzle on our hands conclusion uh just before we get into it's conclusion I, I definitely think like, i'm 80 i'm 70 sure it was a man in the cave and if it's not i'm 29 percent sure that it's the um you know the the the, the cave we just talked about that that with the eight-sided thing and then maybe i'm one percent like yeah it's a 10 plus (laughs) but it's not is it So, we know there was someone in the cave in 1347 if the date found is not a forgery. At some point after that, the cave was probably filled in when it was abandoned, either to hide it or simply because it was no longer being used. Of course, considering the skull and bone fragments, it could have been a crypt that was sealed up and forgotten. I don't think we'll ever know who built it, but as for who used it, I have a little theory of my own based on the most likely theories. Well, why not all of them? The cave is a pretty permanent structure. It won't rot away like wood or get raised to the ground in a siege the Romans left England in 383 CE. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, it was like maybe the Romans made it and then the hermitage dude came in later if they were the ones who built it they certainly didn't need it anymore I don't see why a lady Rosa couldn't have used it as a chapel there's no tunnel linking the cave to the Priory so I find it unlikely that the Priory used it as a storeroom it would just be impractical however I can see the Templars using it when visiting the market and a hermit moving in after the Templars stopped coming around but I don't really think there's much evidence for it being the Templars it's just like a couple of coincidences and other people were doing similar stuff like as the Templars design-wise at the same time. So I just don't, I think like that's someone trying to jam the Templars into history because that's conspiratorial and fun or whatever, but I just think it's the more boring options. Some old lady or some important old lady used it as a chapel and then was buried there and then a hermit later on came along and chilled out in there because that's what hermits do. That's what I think is likely if every group that used it and perhaps the odd peasant taking shelter while on their way to a market or visiting relatives added their own little bit of graffiti that would explain the mashup of symbolism and religions and the fact that there doesn't seem to be any particular rhyme or reason to the carvings themselves at the end of the day all we want to do is be remembered we all want to mark our time spent on this earth in one way or another and since not all of us will have successful youtube leaving my important mark on the world sometimes the only way to do that is to carve a crude picture on a cave wall or quote shakespeare on the door of a bathroom stall yes and that's where we end today's video thank you so much for being here if you enjoyed it please leave a review on apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and if you're watching this on youtube you got to saw my brilliant picture of a unicorn (laughs) Uh, like subscribe and i'll see you next time thanks for watching